Very good singing, actually. We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 4 is where we'll start. We're going to jump around a little bit today, more than usual. Second Timothy in chapter 4. Let's start reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Now listen carefully to verse number 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. In this passage we see uh, the, uh, the idea being geared towards a young preacher. And one of the warnings that the preacher is given there in verse number 3 and 4 is that there's going to come a time where they will not endure sound doctrine. They're going to follow after what they want to hear, having itching ears, it says. And in verse 4 it says they turn away from their ears, their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. This morning I want us to look at four things about truth. We stand on truth. Uh, there is a societal turn towards things that will tickle your ears, meaning things that you want to hear, things that make you feel fluffy inside, uh, things that will leave you smiling but not thinking. And the Bible warns of a day that will come where people will... Uh, almost the similar to what we read about in the day of uh, Noah, where people will just go after their own hearts and whatever makes them feel good. And so the, the charge given to the young pastor here is understand that they're going to turn away their ears from truth. So I want us to kind of look at these, these things about truth today and hopefully it will encourage us, remind us, and challenge us on what we stand on as this church. Now we don't stand on things that, uh, that are always, um, that, that don't make us think. Things that are uh, vain. Things that are wishy-washy as the wind blows the shaft. But things that stand forever the truth of God's Word. Lord, I pray that you'd help us this morning as we look at these thoughts. I pray that um, you would just, again, draw our hearts to you. And Lord, I pray that we would understand that what you've given us, your Word, is true. And God, this morning, as I deliver these thoughts, I pray that I would do them clearly and correctly. And Lord, I pray that it would, uh, again, give us the confidence to move forward standing on your truth, the truth. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've talked about it before in past sermons, the phrase that is used, my truth, his truth, her truth, its truth, whatever you want to say. Uh, and we have this, this uh, philosophy, this thought, 
going throughout culture today that tells us that anybody can be right because it's their truth. And we've preached a whole sermon before on that's not how it works. (laughs) There is the truth, and then there is everything else. But when we look at the truth of God's Word, we can see a number of things on it. We're going to look at four things this morning uh, that I believe should encourage us as followers of God and followers of God's worth about truth. Number one this morning, I want us to see that the truth that we stand on is eternal truth. Eternal truth. Why is God's Word eternal? It's because God Himself is eternal. The author of Scripture, God, is eternal. He always has been, and He always will be. To know that the Creator of the universe, the all-knowing God, is the author of His Word, is great for us to remember that God's Word is eternal. Malachi 3, 6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not. We'll look at that more in just a moment, but we see this, this, this understanding that the author of God's Word is the same today as he was 2,000 years ago when he was being nailed to a cross, as he was 4,000 years ago, as he was however many years ago, he's still the same God. The God that flooded the earth, same God. The God that spared Noah and his family, same God. The God that delivered the children of Israel and walked them through the Red Sea on dry ground, same God. Uh, the God that threw fire from heaven and engulfed a sacrifice and, and dried up the water that was around it, same God. The God of David, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, same God. The God that we read about in the New Testament uh, that became flesh and lived on this earth, and trained disciples and apostles and, 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 and established the great saving uh, salvation grace on this earth. Same God. The God of Paul, uh, that he was willing to suffer and, 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 and hurt and, uh, and anguish. Same God. This is the same God that we serve. He's not changed at all. He's still as powerful. He's still as knowing. He's still as wise. He's still as uh, as everywhere. He is still uh, all these things because He is God and He changes not. In Numbers 23, verse 19, the Bible says, God is not a man that He should lie, neither the Son of Man that He should repent. Hath He said, uh, and shall He not do it? Or hath He spoken, and shall He not make it good? The God of promises is the God... Uh, that we still serve. He is the same God, and He does not change. In James chapter 1, in verse number 17, uh, I'm going there quickly, it says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Same God. He's eternal. The same yesterday, today, and forever. And not only is the author of God's word, the truth eternal, but God's truth does not change with the times. Society changes, fads change, uh, methods change. All these things may change, but God's word 
does not change even within the times. People will say, well, you know, now we have all this technology. Well, back when the Bible was written, there was no technology. No, but that doesn't change what the Bible says. There are so many things that have changed over the years. God's Word is not one of them. Uh, go with me to Psalm 102. Psalm 102. At the end of Psalm 102, starting in verse 25 through verse 27, it says, Of old hast thou laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment. As a vessel shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. God's truth does not change. It does not need to change. One of the things that we found through translations is that people have taken the liberty to change God's Word. Well, but uh, this is too old for people to comprehend. I admit that reading in the King James, there are some words that are weird. And I've always wondered, how can we not get a more time-sensitive English correct translation. I don't get it. But that being said, it's interesting the people that complain about it, it's, it's, it was written, I believe, at a third grade level. Um, <clears throat> most of us older than third grade have been through third grade. And the people before us that came, you know, a couple, uh, what, decades before us, maybe didn't get, go through school yet. They seemed to be able to understand it, but nonetheless... The mindset that, well, we have to change things in God's Word so that people can understand it, it's not what God says. Now, I'm not one that believes that the English Bible was inspired in the sense that I believe in the original language it was inspired and then since then it's been translated and so therefore we hold God's Word in our hands still. But to, to understand and comprehend that God's Word does not need to change. We don't have to change it because the times have changed. You know, clothes can change, thank goodness. <laughs> Methods can change. I believe that. It doesn't have to be bad because it's a new method. It, it could be, but it doesn't have to be. Um... You look at church and, and the things that, that, have, that have progressed in church. You know, we have TVs in our church so that we can see things better. You know, there was a day where there was no electronics, then there was the overhead projector, and then there was the, other, the more uh, experienced overhead projector, and then now televisions. And now it's just easier. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Lights have changed. There was a day where there were not lights in churches because there was no electricity. I think that's good. It's fine. Instruments have improved. I think that's good. It's fine. The methodology, we've learned things. <clears throat> Here's a good way to do things. Here's a better way to do things. Uh, a better way to, you know, we have to, as society shifts, we have to be wise about how we evangelize. I believe methodology changes. 
And I think that's fine. But to understand, it's so important for us to understand that the truth of God does not change. It doesn't need to change. It doesn't have to change. There's no reason for it to change because it is truth. It's eternal. The truth does not turn into a lie. It is eternal truth. Number two this morning, I want us to see it's an established truth. The truth that we stand on is eternal. It's also established, an established truth. Here in, that we looked at in our text, it, it tells the young preacher, preach the word. I've heard many preachers say that thus saith the Lord cannot be improved upon. If God says it, that's all the authority that you need. It is established. I grew up around evangelists. Evangelists travel and preach. They're not pastors. They don't, they don't sit in one place and preach at that church all the time. They go and travel around the country or around the world, whatever, preaching in churches. And, uh, and so as, a, as growing up around evangelists, I hear a, a lot of different styles of preaching. Some are preaching in more uh, illustrative ways. Some of them have incredible illustrations. I do not. It's not a gift that God's given me, and so be it. But I mean, I see them do cool little things on the platform to illustrate their message. Boy, it's attentive. It grabs your attention. It's easy to see, easy to learn, easy to hear and understand. I've also heard my fair number of preachers that don't do much of anything. Where they'll get up and they will just basically tell stories or share their opinion the whole time. That is not preaching truth. It's not to say that what they're saying is not true, but the authority in which they're saying it on is on themselves. It's not on God's word. Therefore, it's not an established truth. Uh, at the church that I uh, was last in in Tennessee, uh, me and Katie served. We worked with the youth group there. And um, <clears throat> there was a preacher that our pastor absolutely loved, and I just don't understand why. I mean, he's a nice guy. But uh, he got up. Open the Bible, said open to this passage, everybody opens there. He reads the verse and he prays and we never come back to the verse ever again. And literally one night for two hours, the guy waxed eloquent, saying all kinds of stuff. I have no idea, nothing useful. I'll never forget it because there was a lady in the church and she said, it's a school night. Uh, he, said, uh, he said, I know I'm running long. And the preacher said, you just keep on going, brother. And the lady in the back says, it's a school night. And I looked around, there were no kids in the building, all old people. I thought... <laughs> I like that lady. Uh, she gets it. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I've been through those services where you sit there and go, man, what's this guy talking about? The greatest advice any preacher can receive is preach the word. It's preach the truth. Preach what God has given and it's established. It's there. God's word is powerful. Hebrews 4.12 tells us all that God's Word can do. The fact that it's not a dead book, it's not just a piece of literature, but the fact that it is a, a, literally alive. Romans 12 verses, um, or excuse me, Romans 4 verses 12 and 13. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to, to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit into the joints and marrow, and as a discerner, the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. 
God's Word opens up truth to us. It reveals truth to us. It is truth. We don't follow stories, but we follow God's Word and the words that God spoke. Turn with me to 2 Peter. I want you to see this verse. 2 Peter in chapter 1. Second Peter in chapter 1, we're looking at an established truth. He says there in verse 16, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we have made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesties. Jump down to verse 19. We, also, uh, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do dwell, you do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, unto the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not of an old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. He's saying these, we were eyewitnesses, but that's not what we're going off of. We're going off of what God spoke for us to write. The Word of God is not man's penning of his opinion of God. It is a man writing what God told him to write so that it could be established as truth. Psalm 119.89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Psalm 119.152 says, Concerning thy testimonies I have known of old that thou hast founded them forever. Luke 21.33 says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Luke 16, 17 says, It is easier for heaven and earth to pass than one tittle of the law to fail. God's word is established. It's true. It does not change. It's eternal. It will last forever. And it does not need to change either. And it is not just some story time. It is not just some guy's uh, thoughts or seeings. It is literally God's word. It's established in heaven. It cannot change. It cannot be defeated. It cannot be destroyed. It is established. And there he says in Luke, it's easier for heaven and earth to pass, to be destroyed, to be gone, than it is for one tittle, the smallest punctuation mark uh, in, the, in that language, to be proven untrue should tell you something about God's Word. It's eternal and it's established. Number three this morning, it's an examined truth. The truth that we stand on is eternal, it's established, and it's an examined truth. In the passage that we read in 2 Timothy, the Bible says that God's Word reproves, rebukes, and exhorts. We should allow God's Word to examine our lives. The Bible uses an illustration, and I'm going to paraphrase it this morning, but uh, the idea of if you look into a mirror and you see a disheveled mess and you walk out the door doing nothing with the disheveled mess, what good was the mirror? If we take our lives and we hold it up to the mirror of God's Word and we see a disheveled mess and we don't do anything about it, have we allowed God's Word to examine our lives?
It's funny, you know, I'm working hard on my children, and I can tell all kinds of stories about them since they're not here today, about how you look when you leave the house, right? If you're in the house, I really don't care. But if you're going to walk out the door and someone's going to see you, you've got to care at least a little bit about what you look like. I told one of my children, your hair's sticking up. Yes, I know. Didn't you wear those clothes yesterday? Yeah. They stink. I don't smell anything. Hmm. Well, I do. <laughs> so we're going to change. Appearance. Now, listen, don't get me wrong. There's been too much made of appearance in churches. Uh, we're not trying to appear godly. We want to be godly. But God says, the word that I've given you, the truth that I've given you, it examines your life. And if you'll hold your life up to God's word and see where does it fit and where does it not. Where is it uh, orderly and where is it disorderly? I give that to you so that you can fix then what is wrong. We shouldn't read the Bible like we know it. The longer that we're saved, we tend to get this uh, false arrogance about us. When we open God's Word to read, we kind of have the mindset of, I know what it says. And so we'll open up our Bible and we'll come across a passage like John 3. You say, well, I know John 3. I know the general concept of John 3. And one of the most familiar passages in the Bible is there, John 3.16. We read about the story of Nicodemus and, and coming to Jesus and asking questions and, and Christ talking to him and explaining to him that he needs a, a, to be reborn. And he goes, I don't understand. Why, what, I can't be reborn. I can't go back into my mother's womb. And so Christ continues to explain what he means. And he eventually comes down to the point where Christ came to this earth to save people, the lost. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever should uh, believe in Him uh, should not perish but have everlasting life. And we'll begin to read passages in Scripture and we'll come with the mindset of, I know what this says. I'm reading the Bible because I'm supposed to read the Bible, but I know what this says and I know what this means. That's the wrong way to read the Bible. We should come to our reading humbly and with an act of submission. God, teach me. If we read a verse, and in our head we're saying, I know what this verse says, I know what this verse means, I know how this verse applies to my life, and I know how it applies to other people's life, we're not going to get anything out of it. But if we come and we open the, the Bible and we say, God, here's your word, examine me. Show me in my life where I need to improve. Lord, teach me. If we will allow God to speak to us as opposed to us telling God what He meant to say to us. There are many verses, uh, depending on your background, that you'll read and you'll come across and you'll say, yeah, I know that. And again, I... I I understand that we don't think this way, but it's, our actions prove this. And so we say to God as we're reading, oh, you meant for this to mean this for me. 
And we not one time think, God, what do you want me to get from this verse today? You've heard it said by all kinds of different people. You can go to the same verse nearly every day of the year and get something different, get something new, get something fresh from it. God's Word is not limited. (laughs) There's... There's so much in it that we, we grasp as children because that's how we're taught in children's church and we're, we're given the, uh, the bare bones of it, the, the, the simplest form of it. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what the Bible means. Here's what, uh, how this applies to your life. We're given that as children and so we kind of grow up and we never get past that point. We never mature past that point. And the reality is, is that verse or that passage or that story goes so much deeper than what we teach to kids. And listen, I'm not saying we should teach the the depth of it all at one time to kids. It's hard for them to understand some things. But God wants us to mature and grow and learn and gain in wisdom and gain in knowledge. Well, how are we going to do that if I'm reading the Bible telling God what it says? We're not. But if we come to the Bible submissively and say, God, use your word to examine my life. As Hebrews tells us, God's word can pierce. But we have to be willing to let it. We have to approach it in a way that allows the truth to examine us. We have the mindset of studying Scripture, and we should study Scripture, but examining Scripture, and we should examine Scripture, but the reality is is we need the Scripture to examine us. And do we come to the, to the Bible open to allow God's Word to examine my life? I use my dad as an example, and he says, he says Vince, he said, I, I, sometimes I dread reading, reading the Bible because I'll, I'll come to a passage in the morning before I go to work, and I see it, and I go, oh no, I'm going to need this today, and I don't know why, but it's not going to be good. The understanding that God's word that he read that morning is going to be useful to him in the day, and, I, and it's jokingly about, maybe it's about patience. You're going, oh man, I'm going to need patience today? No, what's going to happen? But the understanding that God's word that he read that day, even though he's read it before, is something that's going to be useful to him that day. Something that God is going to use in his life that day. But a lot of times we read about patience and we go, yep, I know who needs patience. Yeah, my, my spouse needs patience. Yeah, my parents need patience. Yeah, my pastor needs patience. Yeah, my boss needs patience. We went around the whole gamut. We never got back to ourselves. Because we were examining God's Word and telling God what it says versus allowing God's Word to examine our lives. It's it's an examined truth. It, It examines us, and it reveals the truth within us. The truth that we stand on is eternal, it's established, it's examined, and lastly this morning, I want us to see it's, a, it's an enduring truth. It's an enduring truth. In, in 2 Timothy 4, verse 5, uh, it says, Watch thou in all things enduring afflictions. Sometimes when hardships come, we try to tell God to change instead of listening to Him. We try to reason with God or we try to barter with God and we say, God, if you, will, if you will change what's happening in my life instead of listening to what God has for you in the situation. 
It's interesting because it doesn't seem to matter how old we are or how long we've been saved or how biblically knowledged we are. A lot of times we ask God to change. We act as though God doesn't know what's going on. That God doesn't see your pain. God doesn't see your hurt. God doesn't see your circumstance. Say, God, if you would just change... Instead of saying, God, what do you want from me in this situation? He says, endure affliction. Man, that doesn't sound fun. We want to avoid affliction. And I don't blame myself or anybody else who wants to avoid affliction. But God says, endure it. Well, how am I supposed to do that through the truth of God's Word? There was a captain on a ship out in the ocean. And through the fog, he saw faint lights ahead of the ship right in their course. So the captain said, signal ahead and tell the other ship to alter their course 10 degrees south. Through the fog, a signal came back in response and said, Alter your course 10 degrees north. And the captain was enraged. How dare they tell me what to do? He signaled back and he said, Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a captain. The response came back through the fog. Alter your course 10 degrees north. I am Seaman 3rd Class Jones captain got really upset some sarcastic guy he signaled back and he said alter your course 10 degrees south I'm a battleship and through the fog the response came back alter your course 10 degrees north I am a lighthouse God's not moving He gives us truth to protect us. But sometimes we get so caught up in what's ahead of us and we we don't see what it is. Why isn't it changing? Why isn't it moving? It's for your protection. God's Word is the lighthouse keeping us off the rocky shore. Saying, move. Change, repent, forgive, all of these things. And we sit there and we say, no, you change. You're in my way. You're right in my path. You change. God's not moving. And God's not changing. The truth that we stand on as a church is a truth that is eternal has an author that's eternal. It has truth that is eternal. It's established. It's an examining truth. And it's an enduring truth. And I encourage you, take the Bible for what it is. Truth. Allow it to change your life. Allow it to motivate your life. Allow it to guide your life. 
because it is truth. And it's the truth which we stand on. Lord, I pray for your help this morning as we look at your word. And God, we see these, these things here that uh, remind us of what your word is. I think of the song, The Bible Stands. Lord, nothing can change it. And as much as we strive to, uh, to, to make it say what we want it to say, as much as we strive to change it to fit our goals and our desires and, and our path, God, may you use it to truly change our lives. God, may we not neglect it. May we receive it and follow it. For God, we either obey or we crash. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to stand on truth in our own individual lives, in our homes, and in our church. Lord, we ask for your help in this. We pray it in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and our eyes.